Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly. You're listening to DraftKings Network. The John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. John Anik and Kenny Florian. I love them. I can't get enough of them. Let's hear that boss next. Big job there from Duffy and Frank Mir is hurt now. They're a couple of absolutely self-involved bullshit artists. Here are your hosts, John Anik and Kenny Florian. Hold up on some guard rap hits differently when you're headed home. First time in a long time. UFC 292 is nearly upon us. Appreciate you being with us. Episode 2 of the week, 430th show overall of the Anakin Florian podcast presented by DraftKings, whether you are on the audio or the video side, we never take your support for granted. Thank you for being with us. Ken Flo wheels up to New York here shortly for the Professional Fighters League. We'll miss you in the bean. Actually, our producer, Zach Candido, mentioned your name to me to be on stage for a UFC Q&A in Boston this Friday. I'll be up there in my Nomar Garcia Parra jersey, but I told him you had uh, you had PFL obligations. Swear to God. Swear to God. Real conversation. <laughs> so I can't wait to get to TD Garden. As I've said on these airwaves before, it's the only time in my entire time with the UFC that I have asked to do a Q&A just so I can get up in front of those Bostonians right. and just be a fucking masshole with them. I'm trying to figure out how to say Dateline Boston if I'm going to if I'm gonna really let the accent go off the top of the pay-per-view. Sometimes I bleed into it at times. You know, he has a look at the rest of the main cad, but there's going to be so many opportunities in Boston to just be like Dateline, Boston. Oh, people get upset when I say hub of the universe, right? As if that's self-serving. Maybe I should just say the hub instead of the <laughs> hub of the universe. But yeah, from Revere to Cape Cod, just very excited to get back to Massachusetts for UFC 292. And we will be there in all our glory for UFC 292 coming up. This Saturday night, it's a Bantamweight Championship banger. Aljamain Sterling looking to remain the hunted, takes on top contender Sugar Sean O'Malley. We'll see if Aljo can keep his title. Or will it be time for the superstar, the challenger to shine? Get your bets in right now at DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of UFC. New customers can bet just $5 to get $150 in bonus bets instantly. Prices moved around a little bit. Aljamain Sterling minus 260 or so. O'Malley coming back about plus 210. If you like Sean O'Malley by knockout, plus 350. Sterling by submission, plus 200. A lot of different ways to go about your action. Just need to download that DraftKings Sportsbook app. Not now, but right now. Use code AFPOD. New customers can bet just $5 on UFC 292 to get $150 in bonus bets instantly. That is this Saturday only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code AFPOD. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In West Virginia, 1-800-GAMBLER.net in partnership with Hollywood Casino at Charlestown Races. All games regulated by the West Virginia Lottery. Please play responsibly. 
In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. Terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash MMA terms. All right, as you guys know, Ray Longo will be in the corner of both Aljamain Sterling and Chris Weidman this weekend. If you missed the Ray Longo Minute, that is up right now on the DraftKings YouTube channel in our 429th episode that landed on Monday. But now it is time to get our predictions for UFC 292 as we call on big gun Brian Petrie. On social media, he is at Brian Petrie MMA. He is 6'3", despite the visual here on the podcast. And as always... To bring him in with the pronunciation of the week. Good to see you, champ. What's up, babe? What's up, babe? What's up, boys? I wore my fancy shirt. We're going to Boston, huh? Guys, right. fancy for Boston. Oh, big, big, uh, big pay per view. I can't wait for it. So, I asked you to play guest booker today. One of your dear yes. friends, the king of combat, the action yes. man, Chris Curtis, is scheduled to join us at the bottom of the hour. And I know you have a little bit of anxiety right now. Because the King of Combat is not taking our text messages. He just got back to me. He said he's wow. ready to go, waiting and ready. So we're good. We're wow. good. Wow. All right. So yeah. we'll just, we will get Chris Curtis. So that would make you one for one in terms of the guest booking. You've also been on an absolute tear when it comes to the pronunciation of the week. So got a couple files today. But first off, this man is a tough 31 finalist. Yes. First name, Kurt. Yeah. He begins his third UFC stint this Saturday. In the Ultimate Fighter finale against Austin Thud Hubbard, BP. Who are we talking about, kid? Kurt who? Kurt so who? I got, so I'm going to preamble a little bit. I have this weird steel trap. I remember him in the Contender Series, and I remember there was a debate on how to pronounce his name. McCarthy said it one way. The announcer was saying one way. So I, 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 have, I don't remember what, what they did, but I'm going to go Kurt Halaba. That's what I'm going with. Sounded like Hollabred or something. Halaba. Halaba. I don't believe that's it. Let, okay. Let's hear Let's hear Kurt. Ha. Kurt Halaba. Kurt Halaba. Kurt Halaba. Halaba. See, that's what the, that's, I think, yeah. All right. All right, Kurt. <laughs> this exercise is really nothing more than a public service. Some of our listeners yeah. like it. Bruce Marshall and others fucking hate it. We get it, right? But... This, in some part, is me trying to inform the masses so that when I'm banging Hollabo this weekend yeah. and everybody thinks it's Hollabaugh because it's spelled B-A-U-G-H. Ken Flo, you're the last line of defense here, Argus Integrated Defense. Did you hear Hollabo? I, I heard Hollabo. Okay. Yeah, it's I, heard. I would have said Hollabow. Yeah. Ow. Or Hollabaugh. Or whatever the heck. All right. And then let's can. <laughs> then we do have one other file. And this name seems to get even the best of them with Ken Flo. Nicknamed GM3. First sure. name Gerald. Let's hear. Uh, it does not rhyme with Schmear. Uh, let's hear Gerald Mershart say his name. Cody, do we have that one as well, Budget? Mershart. Oh, full name, please. Oh, ah. Gerald Mershart. And a couple of slow ones. Gerald Mershart. Gerald Mershart. GM3 fighting Andre Petrosky on the UFC Fight Pass prelims this weekend. But uh, our good man, John Gooden, needs that first name, Gerald, as well. But yeah, it is not, uh, it is not Mershart as, as it is listed. It's actually Gerald Mershart. 
I was going through these with my daughter this morning. She had a little bit of fun with the shart on the back end of Gerald's surname. I told her to uh, be a little bit more mature. Sorry, Gerald, if you're listening. <laughs> All right. So it's going to take me a couple minutes to update the standings. Probably yeah. only 60 seconds, but bear with me because I have to update two weeks here. And it goes from really good to not so good for Ken Flo. Oh. Who still oh. is just so pissed about Hakeem Dowd. I don't blame you. Dude. I am. I am. I'm, I'm upset too. I'm upset too. Not from just a betting standpoint, but it's like, if you watch MMA, that's an easy fight to score. I mean, we just not scoring kicks anymore. Is that like it's just hands now? I, I mean, whatever. I'm gonna. Yeah. I mean, I've been going all week with buddies about it. I just I'm gonna let go. But yeah, it's ridiculous. <laughs> no, Thanks, I think that's Ryan. fair. Yeah. We talked earlier in the week about maybe Cub landing one big right hand if memory yeah. serves in round one, and because maybe a judge or two perceived that to be the singular most damaging strike. Somehow that was grounds to give him the round. I didn't see that at all. And nor did like all the fighters I trust and respect. Yeah. yeah. Silly. Silliness. Yeah. I, I only gave Cub round three and it was competitive. Um, and, and I thought, I thought Hakeem Dow would do one that fight for sure. But yeah. In terms of our main event challenge though, we are always trying to come up with the best possible scoring system. And I think that we have made good adjustments over the years, but if Petrie or Ken Flo or any of our listeners have suggestions, as to how these guys would not get totally fucking burned on a result like this. Feel free to let us know at Anacloriam Pod, but right now it is what it is. And uh, before we get there, I'm just going to quickly update UFC Fight Night, Sanhagen versus Font. So Team Petrie was minus 25.95. Team Florian was minus 31.75. Petrie goes 5-3, and three, plus $515. You went 5-2 and two on the UFC. That included five units on Tatiana Suarez. You did give a unit back on Nate Diaz against Jake Paul. Big week, though, nonetheless. Gets you back to 2080 in the negative on the year. Team Florian, go. shiny, six and one. Hey! That included also a five-unit whack on Tatiana Suarez. So plus $825 for that week, Kenny. And that pulled you right back within striking distance at minus 2350. Now we get to the results UFC Fight Night, Luque versus Dos Anjos. Petrie. Four and two plus twenty eight dollars. Of course, the tough break, as we mentioned on Hakeem Dawadu. Nice hit though on Vicente Luque in the main event. You didn't get credit for McGee by round one knockout, but we hear you there as well. You're in the black plus twenty eight dollars, and that brings you to minus twenty fifty two on the year. Team Flory in the two units on Dawadu, a particularly difficult minus four hundred and sixty dollar pill to swallow. Kemflo three and three on the week for a minus four twenty. He's now at minus twenty seven seventy. The Petrie leads 718 American dollars as we come up on UFC 292. I'm going to back away from the microphone. Sterling versus O'Malley, live from the jungle in TD Garden, Boston, Massachusetts, USA. Oh, I'm so excited. I mean, I was in the nosebleeds, Kenny. Boston Celtics season ticket holder, 2002-2003. My nose literally fauceting fucking red <laughs> blood, trying to get down to the floor. And now I'll be there and Joe Rogan will be to my right. Awesome. UFC Love. 292, Sterling versus O'Malley. First pick for us today at middleweight. Oh, deep breaths, folks. Chris Weidman is back for the first time since breaking his leg on the first kick he threw back in 2021. He is a plus 210 underdog on DraftKings Sportsbook facing the 22-time UFC veteran Brad Taboras, who is the minus 258 favorite. Brian Petrie, Taboras, yeah. big favorite here against Chris Weidman. Which way are you going, kid? 
Oh, I'm nervous. I'm already nervous about this one, boys. I love Chris Wyman. I've always liked Chris Wyman. I kind of like, you know, I, I followed his social media, his vlogs. His family's amazing. Obviously, he's close to the show with Ray. Uh, just a fan of the guy. Seems like a good dude. Never met him. Don't know him. Uh, and I feel like he kind of lost his way a little bit before the leg break. I feel like the wrestling kind of went out the window. Something that he was very good at. And, and, and his striking is good, but it was relied on timing. And so he wasn't fighting enough. So a lot of the losses came. And obviously the chin was starting to go a little bit as well. And then he looked really good preparing for your eye hall. And then the kick. I mean, what are you going to do? This is a perfect matchup for him for Brad Tavares here. Brad Tavares has been in the UFC, I think, longer than Chris Weidman. And he hasn't looked so hot lately. He's coming off a knockout loss. He has good striking, good takedown defense. But I think if Chris Weidman comes out, and he's got that Ameri- all American tattoo on his back, right? The, 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 you know, that's, that's how you know you don't want to fuck with a guy when he's got that tattoo on his back. If he uses that, gets the fight to the ground, he's got great pressure on top. He's got a good head and arm choke. He's got a good guillotine. I like him here. I like Chris Wyman as a dog price. I don't want to play on the feet. Tavares, Scott pops still, right? Don't play on the feet. Get him down. And I'm going to play Chris Weidman by submission as well. I'm feeling dog hunting tonight. You know what I mean? I like some I like some of these spots. Plus 220, give it to me. Let's go. Kenny, I admitted to being surprised at the betting line earlier in this week when we talked to Ray Longo. I did think it wouldn't necessarily be a pick given the layoff for Chris Weidman, some of the recent results, the leg break, of course. But I, I did not expect to see plus 210 next to his name. Petrie's biting, not because long goes on our podcast. What do you make of Brad Tavares here? A near three to one favorite against a returning Chris Watton. Yeah, I, I think to me it, it kind of makes sense. Obviously, you know, you have Brad Tavares, who is a very good striker, uh, big for the weight class. He's gonna be, you know, tough to take down and keep down. Uh, has fought a high level uh, you know. Uh, schedule. You look at all the guys that he's faced. It's about as good as it gets. So he has a ton of experience against the best in the world there. Um, You know, at at the end of his career, certainly, but still very tough and very game. And for Chris Weidman, you know, you got to talk about that leg break. How many guys have come back and have looked phenomenal right after, you know, that long layoff, you know, their first fight back, you know, Anderson Silva didn't. You know, uh, a lot of these guys just don't. And a lot of these guys, if we're being honest, are simply never the same. What Chris Weidman does have going for him, though, is that he's not necessarily known as, you know, this guy that if his striking isn't on point, then everything goes to hell, right? He's a grappler. He's a grappler. He's a wrestler. So that's what he has going for him. The other thing that is going for him is that he's very mentally tough. And I think the fact that he kind of documented his, his progress, his fight back from this leg break, I think helps him in a lot of ways. Um, and again, I, I think that, um, you know, from what Ray has been saying, other guys that have trained with Chris have been saying is that, you know, he's still going to be extremely tough. And I think Chris really needs to rely on his grappling skills in this one. And if he does, I do think he can get the win. But given the price, I think it's a little too juicy for me to ignore. I'm with Brian here. I like Chris Weidman as the underdog. Um, I think it would be a fantastic story for him to come back and get no, get a win, especially if he's able to finish someone like Tavares. No easy task. But if he does do it, I think it would have to be on the back of his grappling and his submission skills and things like that. So give me Chris Weidman as the underdog as well. Perhaps some extra motivation for Brad Tavares, too, with everything that's going on in Hawaii, right? trying to come Good up point. big for uh, for his state. So Brad Tavares made his UFC debut June 19th. 
2010. Ken Flo was training for Gray Maynard at the time. 14 UFC wins for Tavares, zero bonuses, which I find interesting, but a great career nonetheless. <laughs> All right, Kempo, we'll send it right back to you here. So as of this taping, we expect that maybe this main card could shuffle, but the pay-per-view main card opener is this bantamweight tilt between Marlon Chito, Vera Matis 185, and the young punisher Pedro Munoz, plus 154. Munoz now the older punisher. He'll be 37 in a few weeks, Kenny. Still getting it done, though. Had a big win as underdog against the highly touted Chris Gutierrez. That was back in April. And now Munoz spins it forward here against the most decorated finisher in the division's history. Marlon Cheeto, very your thoughts. You mentioned Munoz's last fight against Gutierrez, and that's what makes me a little hesitant in picking this one. Um, I think that, um, you know, Munoz is significantly better than what his record indicates over the last few fights or several fights, I should say, uh, because I think that he never really or didn't really take the smartest approach in, in a lot of those fights, I think. I think that skill-wise, he's very, very good, uh, but may, maybe unnecessarily would kind of risk his head uh, and, and take a lot of damage in some of those fights. And I think his last fight against Gutierrez, he fought a phenomenal fight. He was fighting smart, wasn't taking a whole lot of damage. And we all know about Marlon Vera and his maybe inability to start fast in some of those fights this isn't a five rounder this isn't a main event this is a three round fight so marlon uh really needs to get off to a great start here in round one because you don't want muñoz to get too far ahead especially with that in and out style that he showed against gutierrez those calf kicks getting in getting out it could be a great way to do that against a long rangy striker like marlon cheeto vera however i think cheeto is going to be coming back very strong after his last uh, fight. I think that he needs to be able to use that length, keep Munoz on the outside, use some calf kicks himself, get get some pressure going early, and not take a lot of shots. Um, I think that Munoz on the ground is going to have an advantage, so Cheeto's going to have to stop a lot of those takedowns. Um, and it, that that's going to be tough. Munoz has... I don't know if he's a better finisher. I definitely don't think he's a better finisher than someone like Cheeto Vera. But um, I, I do think he has, I guess, more ways to win in some in some regards. Um, and uh, Munoz coming in here as an underdog, I, I kind of like it. Um, I'm a big Cheeto Vera fan. I think he's a phenomenal fighter with a lot of skills. But um, I, what worries me is that plotting... Uh, footwork sometimes. He gets a little too flat-footed. That concerns me. I, I reserve the right to change my mind, but I like the underdog, Pedro Munoz, in this one, actually. I think that uh, he could outpoint Cheeto Vera in this one, especially it being a three-rounder and not a five-rounder. Nicely broken down, Ken Flo. You heard the reaction there, perhaps, from Brian Petrie. I hearken back to a conversation we had with Pedro Munoz after he fought and lost to Aljamain Sterling, and he said, that's my first time sort of having to learn to fight a guy that doesn't want to fight my fight. And I do think the fight IQ for Pedro Munoz increasingly has been a weapon. It certainly was against Chris Gutierrez. On the other side, Cheeto coming off that split loss to Corey Sanhagen in April. Puzzling performance at times. He was on the cusp of a title shot, had won four in a row. Now we'll see what he does with the pay-per-view showcase this weekend. Seems like, Brian, you see some value on Munoz as well. Oh, yeah. A ton of value. This Ken Flo guy just rams it right over me. Listen, I'm going to switch my pick. I'm going to go Cheetah Vera because this was a fight that took me the hardest. The, the Like Kenny, Kenny broke it down beautifully. Took me a hard time to kind of game plan this because Cheeto, if he doesn't get off to a hot start, 
He's going to have to look for a finish, and no one finishes Pedro Munoz. The guy's nails in there, right? You ain't going to finish him on the ground. His jiu-jitsu's great. His chin's great. 37, obviously, at 135. That's a little concerning, but he hasn't really slowed down that much. He's still fighting high level. He's active. His timing's going to be good. Um, I love Cheeto Vera, but when you're sitting dog price on Pedro Munoz, I thought that was a wonderful price. Pedro Munoz by decision is something that I will be personally playing, but we're playing a game here. I'm trying to beat this beautiful man tonight. Right, right. right? So I'm going to go Cheeto Vera here. Uh, I think it's going to be a close fight. I think Cheeto can er, uh, win the later rounds, maybe drop the first round. Going to be interesting. I think it's going to be an absolute banger. We're going to see some blood. We're going to see some dudes get hit, and uh, I can't wait. But give me Cheeto. I'll go opposite. Give me Cheeto. I like the pivot. You're trying to win. Trying to win, man. And again, I mean, you're trying to protect my skull potentially too from getting that uh, beer bottle cracked on top of it. (laughs) All right, next fight for us, live on pay-per-view, UFC 292, welterweight division, Ian Machado, Gary, minus 360. The short notice replacement, Neil Magny is plus 285. So Magny step it in and step it up for Jeff Neal, for whom the, the, uh, the health struggles continue. And we wish Jeff Neal all the best as he tries to get well. Safe Saud's a good friend of mine, and uh, it's just amazing what Jeff has had to deal with. Near fatal belt with staff and everything else. Um, Ian Gary, big favorite here now against Neil Magny Bry, going for a 6-0 and UFC start and trying to move to 13-0 and overall. So when you sent uh, the email, you had no lines, right? Because the lines, so the lines came out and exactly what I thought. I thought Neil or Ian Gary had opened about minus 330, you know, and I told myself, and I'm a big Ian Gary fan. My boy, Chris Curtis went to become Jeff Neal for Ian Gary in, uh, in Florida. Now he's got Phil Rowe. He's pivoting because it's a different style matchup. Ian Gary's a guy that I'm very confident. I like him. I like his confidence. I like him being a little bit egotistical. He believes what he's saying and he's out there proving it, right? A lot of people are like, oh, look, Song Kinong dropped him. Yeah, but he came back and knocked Song out. He showed some averse and he, and he battled back. But I told myself, don't fall in love with Ian Gary. And I know we're playing plus 285, John. I got the lines on DraftKings Sportsbook right before we got on here. And I told myself, when Neil Magny approached over 300, 350, you're playing him. Currently right now, he's plus 340 on DraftKings Sportsbook. Give me Neil Magny, the grinder. This is going to be an awkward fight. It's going to be a hard pivot where you're training for a short, stocky southpaw boxer to a 6'3 guy who's going to clinch you, want to take you down. I think if Ian Gary blitzes and cruises through Neil Magny, only the elite guys have done that. Guys have beaten Neil Magny, but if you finish Neil Magny, you're high class. That's going to propel him up. I love Ian Gary, but when you're giving me this number, I got to take Neil Magny here, baby. Give me Neil. I mean, the guy has the most wins, 170 pounds for a reason. He's going to grind this out. He's going to get it done, and you're giving me three, maybe four to one come fight night. Yeah, Neil Magny it is. All right, so Neil Magny right now plus 340. Ian Gary is minus 440, but Kenny, you still will get the minus 360 on Ian Machado Gary if indeed you go in that direction. It's interesting, Brian, when you mention ego when it comes to Ian Machado mm-hmm. Gary, because on his UFC fighter bio, the first thing he lists under strengths, violent mind, some other things mm-hmm. in there, but the first thing he lists is his ego as a strength, and I absolutely love it. Me too. Ken Flo, let me just set the table a little bit on Neil Magny for those that don't know. 21 UFC welterweight wins, two more than George St. Pierre, number one in the division's history. Some nice scalps on there as well. Just defeated Phil Rowe by split decision. That was on June 24th. And now Rowe, incidentally, will be in Ian Gary's corner this weekend. Kenny, you going with the 
heavily favored Ian Machado Gary or you like Neil Mag? You know, I would I would much prefer to walk in a cage and fight another human being than gamble every single week. My hands are sweaty. I don't even have money on the line. This is just for a stupid competition for the Anakin Florian podcast. And I'm getting sweaty with what Brian is saying. And by the way, give me that give me that big Petri energy, by the way. He's, he's on point right now. Um Listen, I, this is an interesting one, man. I, I, I was coming in very confident, but Brian may have shook me a little bit. <laughs> I think that Neil Magny certainly has the ability to thwart a lot of what Ian Gary tries to do. He's very good at clinching you up, getting you up against the cage, kind of make it a grinding style fight. Um, he has very obviously a very long reach. He's got a nasty jab uh, that he can utilize here. It's not the jab that concerns me so much here in this particular fight against someone like Ian Gary. Uh, I think he could find a way around it and get on the inside. But I think what concerns me is is the grappling prowess of Magni. Not that he's like extremely potent necessarily, but he does have the ability to neuter you, John. Uh, he hey. does have the ability <laughs> to get you up against the, the, the cage and slow you down, get annoying knees, elbows, short shots, attack your body, and just slow you down. And it's a three-round fight. So Magni certainly has that capability. But I do believe in Ian Gary, John. Mm -hmm. I, I believe that he's his dynamic style is going to be a problem for Magny, who I don't think is the fastest guy in the world. Um, I think Ian's overall striking prowess, his ability to mix things up is going to give problems to Neil Magny. And he's accomplished so many great things. And I also think Neil Magny is most dangerous when he's a big underdog. So that is concerning as well. Um you know, he tends to bring it more, but I, I think Ian Gary, um, I, I think he's I think he's the real deal. Uh, I'm not sure he can be a world champion at 170 pounds, but I do think he can get close and perhaps he changes my mind and he could change my mind as we get closer. But I do think he can be elite in that division. And that says yeah. a lot. 170 is absolutely ridiculous. So give me Ian Gary. Give me three unis on Ooh. Ian Gary as well. Uh, I think Let's I, fucking go. I may have had five unis on him, but be, the whole Cub Swanson debacle, Brian <laughs> Petrie with his confidence coming in here, I'm going down to three units. So give me three on Gary. I love it. $1,080 to win 300 on Ian Machado Gary. And that minus 360, of course, no longer available as Ian Machado Gary is swelled to a minus 440 betting favorite. Nicely done there with that verb neuter. Yeah, Neil Magny will neuter you. He will spay mm -hmm. you. He will fucking vasectomize <laughs> you. <laughs> All right, co-main event for the Strawweight Championship. Tired of snooty wines and their old wine culture? Confused by words like malolactic fermentation? Yeah, we are too. So with 19 Crimes, you can do the fancy schmancy tilt-sip smell routine, or don't. 19 Crimes is the rebel of wine and culture, telling the stories of rogues and rule breakers who overcame adversities. From convicts banished to Australia, to the legendary icon Snoop Dogg himself, 19 Crimes wine is defiant by nature, bold in character, and always uncompromising. 19 Crimes, the official wine of UFC. Pick up in stores nationwide or online at 19crimes.com. Enjoy responsibly. 2024, Sonoma, California.
Sound the trumpets, ladies and gentlemen. It is horse racing time, so saddle up for action with DK Horse, an official DraftKings affiliate. So right now, new customers who download the DK Horse app can get a 100% deposit bonus up to $250. All you need to do, deposit $25 or more and complete the playthrough requirement. Wager on your favorite horses, then watch the races live right in the app. Download the DK Horse app, not now, but right now. New customers get a 100% deposit bonus up to $250. $250 when they opt in with code FLOW, F-L-O, only on the DK Horse app. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER, 18+, plus, 21+, plus in certain states to open or access an account and a resident of a state where DK Horse is available. Eligibility restrictions apply. Void where prohibited. One per new customer. Match calculated on a first deposit up to a maximum of $250. Deposit requires two-time playthrough of settled wagers within 168 hours. Bonus released in $25 increments. Deposit and eligibility restrictions apply. See terms at DKHorse.com. Magnum Zhang Wei Li is minus 330. Amanda Lemos comes back plus 240. So the second reign as champion now begins for China Zhang Wei Li. And even if she is not, as Daniel Cormier claimed, the greatest athlete that he's ever seen, she's like on the list. She is mm-hmm. spectacular. She Huge is. respect from odds makers as usual for this defense as well. She's gone from minus 298 to minus 330. Brian, we'll start with you here. Amanda Lemos, undeniable one-strike knockout power, not just in her right hand. She has that in her left hand as well. She's got some chokes, great form for a finisher, and now she'll try to shock much of the MMA world and upset Zhang Wei Li. How do you handicap her chances, kid? Yeah, I love this fight. I think this could be five of the night. I think this is going to be an absolute war here. Amanda Lemos, I think, is getting slept on a little bit. She is, I think, great value. If I didn't love Zhang Wei Li so much, I would I would take a stab at it. And by the way, the whole uh, months ago when John missed his show, I think that was the first time I got exposed about how bad I pronounce names because I pronounce Zhang Wei Li like ten different <laughs> ten different ways. And Cody put a nice clip together, so uh, that's bring me back. But no, listen. Whaley's good, man, and she's getting better. What I love about it is sometimes you see an MMA, and I don't want to sing on any fighters, but I have a guy in my head who's from Texas. He went, They win the title, and then they just fall off because their goal was the title. They, their goal wasn't defending it. Their goal wasn't being the best in the world. Let me get that strap. They get a strap, then I'm good. Whaley's gotten better since gotten the strap, and then obviously the first time losing and then getting it back. Her grappling's on point. She's bricky. She's tiny little muscle balled up, and she's fast. I think she's faster than Lemos. Lemos has great timing, though. Like, I thought for sure, I mean, Adiguez would uh, nail that too, by the way. Uh, I thought she would f- for sure was going to beat Lemos, and Lemos said, no, no, I got big power. I'm, I'm not the fastest, but my timing's on point. She shows some good ground skills as well. She's got a good choke. But I like Wei Lee here, man. I just, I, I was going to go and new, but when I really dove in, dug into it, this is a hard fight for me to pick. I just really like Wei Lee's skills. Cody's saying in the chat that she's value under 500. I kind of agree with that. You're getting pretty good value at minus 330, but I do think this is a dog fight. But I love uh, Magnum's, uh, when her introduction, she does the two, the double guns yeah. to the camera. So I'm going to go right there for Wei Lee Zong and still, and uh, let's go. I don't know if Tom Brady's going to be in the building this weekend. Ooh. But Zhang Wei Li is a huge Tom Brady fan. As such, he was a big New England Patriots fan. And I think that wow. is in some part why Zhang Wei Li is fighting here That's in cool. Boston. So the hosts of this podcast are both from Massachusetts. There's a little bit of bias in this episode, and I think all week long. But Ken Flo, Zhang Wei Li making that walk here in the bean against Amanda Lemos. Your thoughts on the your thoughts on the co-main event. 
You know, when I'm judging an athlete, I'm looking at, you know, what physical traits they're bringing to the cage, right? Or, or in general, whatever sport it is, you know, how explosive are they, their speed, their mobility, you know, how easy do they make movements look? And Zhang Wei Li, in my opinion, is an A-class athlete, uh, absolutely world-class. And then you compound the fact that how she learns, how quickly she gets better. You don't see that too often, man. You certainly see improvements, but improvements over the course, like fight to fight at a high level is just unbelievable, especially in regards to her grappling. Now, why am I mentioning the grappling? Do not be surprised if we see more of a grappling game plan from uh, uh, Wei Li here. Um, can she strike with Lemos and will she strike with Lemos? Yeah, absolutely. And she could win that fight uh, as well if it just stays on the feet. But I do think the smartest, smartest path to victory here would be to take Lemos down, slow her down, land some ground and pound, which Wei Li also has at a high level. Um, and, you know, I think she's going to be uh, keen on trying to get out position her as well. I think she's getting that confidence. Uh, and just from seeing her training, she seems like she really is taking to this grappling training. Uh, mm. To me, I, I don't know anything about her inside gameplay or anything like that. But to me, it seems like maybe we will see that here against Lemos, who does have some good submissions as well. She can be dangerous there. Uh, but I think that that top position for Wei Li um, might be a path to victory here. Um, Lemos, I've been a big fan of. I remember her knocking out uh, her opponent going backwards. And, and when you see a 115 pounder do that, knock someone out, male or female, going backwards. And then in the manner in which she does it, there's something special about her. I know she started her mixed martial arts career, uh, combat uh, sports career in boxing. Uh, and, and that is evident when she's letting those hands fly, man. She is extremely dangerous. Where I think she kind of gets thrown off is she gets um, maybe a little bit too emotional. She gets a little bit, uh, I don't want to say spastic. That would be a little bit harsh and a little extreme, but she does uh, get thrown off her base a little bit because she's trying to crack you so hard. She throws herself off balance a little bit. And again, someone like Wei Li, who is such a good uh, athlete, who does tend to keep her balance pretty well in fights. I think that's where she can get exposed in regards to takedowns and counters and things. Yeah. So I think there's good value on Lemos, but give me Wei Li. I, I think she takes it here. Yeah. Lemos definitely has that heavy base, uber aggressive, former jungle fight champion at Bantamweight actually made her UFC debut at 35 and then she was suspended and returned two years later and did so at 115 pounds where she has since won seven of eight to set up her first championship opportunity in the ufc all right drum roll please main event for the undisputed ufc bantamweight championship of the world fourth defense for aljamain sterling and it comes just 15 short weeks after he went 25 hard in a win over henry cejudo sterling modest 265 top contender sean o'malley is plus 215 this is the first fight for O'Malley since his thriller with Piotr Jan that was all the way back at UFC 280 in Abu Dhabi last October. Brian Petrie. Yes. Your moment has arrived. Who do you like in the main event at UFC 292? All right. So I just loosened one of these buttons. It's getting hot in here, boys. It's getting hot. I'm ready to break this down. So I like to kind of keep it quick sometimes. I might go a little longer on this. I apologize. Please. Listen, I don't want to... I, I, uh, in my part of town, a lot of my friends aren't MMA fans. I am the MMA guy, so I can't really buy MMA merch because then it's like a little too on the nose. Like, oh, look at this fucking guy. I've never owned Affliction, never owned Tap Out. 
I will expose myself. I have a Sugar Sean O'Malley t-shirt that I bought that I am a fan of. I am a fan of Sugar Sean O'Malley. And if I was ever going to pick against Aljo, it might be a guy like this. I love O'Malley's mental as well. If you hear him talking like Rogan or his own podcast, if you get through a lot of the bullshit that people get clipped, he is pretty thoughtful and he knows what he needs to do. He knows it. He knows his game in and out him and his coach know that. And his striking is just world-class. It truly is timing, speed, everything. And then the peer to yawn fight was the one that really opened my eyes because before that, I felt like he fell a little flat in the Pedro Munoz fight. I felt like he fell flat in the Cheeto fight. And then Petrion fight was the fight where he's like, okay, I got to prove I'm tough. Then what does he do? He goes out there and he wins the third fucking round after getting dropped in the second. And I think he won that fight. I know there's a big, you know, controversial, all this bullshit, but Aljo is a really bad matchup for, for sugar. Sean O'Malley sugar says, I can't let him get my back. I can't let him get on the ground. All those things are true. I think sugar has to have a perfect performance. Um, for the win. I don't think Aljo has to have a perfect performance. I think Aljo can come in there and be, Aljo and I'm a little worried that he didn't want to take the fight on such short notice. He's a champion. He said he wants to rest some injuries. That concerns me. But on the flip side, if I'm playing devil's advocate, maybe it pisses him off. Maybe he goes, "Fuck this! I'm going to go into Boston. I'm going to take this dude's head. He came in the cage with a Michael Jackson jacket on, and I'm going to fucking take his head now, right?" And so maybe we get a mad Aljo. And by the way, I heard you guys talking uh, earlier in the week about the the hate for Aljo. I don't get it. Shame on us Americans for not backing this guy. If you go to Brazil. They Charles Oliveira is a hero. You go to Dagestan, Islam and Khabib are heroes. We have, as Americans, the best pound-for-pound pound fighter at 135 pounds. Maybe the GOAT, which is a real argument you can make, and we're booing this guy? The fuck's the matter with us? You know, that mm. ain't gonna happen. I love Aljo, right? Never met the guy. Obviously, I'm, you know, with Ray and everything, but I've never met him. But he seems like a great dude. Big fan of him. I think he gets a fight to the ground. And I think if he takes out, uh, Sean, Sugar Sean O'Malley's back once, I think it's kind of a wrap, uh, unfortunately. But I think, you know, he has to be careful in round one. I, I I have this picture in my head. O'Malley's really practicing short knees, quick kicks, kind of like how Aljo got caught against Marlon Rice coming in and getting clipped with something. I see that being uh, in Sugar Sean's game plan, but uh, I think this is going to be too much for him. I think Aljo cruises here, and I think he gets a submission win. So I'm playing Aljo. I'm playing him in a parlay, and I'm going to play him by submission as well. Um, and maybe a same game parlay on DraftKings Sportsbook, but I'm all over Aljo on this one. And I like Sean, so let's go. All right, Altamain Sterling, modest 265 or so on DraftKings Sportsbook. He's got 15 UFC wins, Kenny. And the wins list is absurd for Aljamain Sterling. Even the Corey Sanhagen win, because it was so quick. I think sometimes people who were left wanting more want to somehow denigrate that win for Aljo, which is just absurd. He's a big favorite here against Sugar Sean O'Malley, whom I believe is a fighter on a level that Aljo has not experienced before. Not saying it's enough for him to win necessarily, but I do believe it is not just Sean O'Malley that is dealing with this all different physical challenge. Who do you have for us in the main event? Yeah, I, I'm I'm a fan of O'Malley, man. I think that his length, his range, and his ability to use it and use it with speed and technique and get a rhythm for what you were doing is going to be a problem for anybody, including Sterling. Uh, Sterling, at the end of the day, has to find a way to get on the inside, get to that clinch position, and take O'Malley down and keep him down. 
Um, but you have to you have to get on the inside of that jab. You have to get on the inside and and know how to deal with those kicks that are going to be coming at your body, at your legs, all those things. Uh, and that's not going to be easy, especially straight off the bat. O'Malley typically gets off to a great start, man. And once he gets your number and he gets his rhythm, he's very difficult to take out of his rhythm and out of take away that momentum from him. Um, however, Sterling is very good at making you look bad. You alluded to Sanhagen not being in there for very long. And that is the sign of a master at the end of the day. When they make it look effortless, when they do a quick type of finish like they get that one opportunity and you don't get it back it was one and done one mistake and that's it um and sterling is very good at taking taking advantage of those mistakes now um i I talked about this earlier in the week uh when ray was on and i think that o'malley can get some things done even on the ground i think he's got some good attacks on the ground and this and that but i think the weakest part of his game when it comes to his jujitsu is his positioning the strongest part of aljo's game is his positioning so that's what makes it very difficult and aljo even if he doesn't get the submission he can beat you up and win rounds from his superior positioning with whether it's punches or kicks or this and that he's very good in it and the fact that o'malley is very long and rangy and that helps him on the feet the fact that he's long and rangy could be a detriment to him on the ground something that ray alluded to earlier in the week as well and i couldn't agree more with that statement and i i think brian is spot on this is a very very tough tough match uh, for O'Malley, especially at this point in his career. Now, I, I am picking Aljamain Sterling. I think he retains this belt, but don't be surprised to see Sean O'Malley later on at some point in his career come back to be a world champion. I think he has a very high level of talent, and I agree with Brian in regards to his mindset, his approach. I do think he takes this game very seriously, despite all the, you know, the coloring of his hairs and the Lamborghinis and this and that. I, I do think he takes this very seriously, and he realizes how good he can be at this game. He's already making a lot of money, but I do think he can make a lot of money in the future, yet still, uh, and uh, do that by becoming a world champion. So give me Aljamain Sterling, and also give me plus two units uh, on him as well. That's why he's the best. Two units on Aljamain Sterling, and I think you hit on a lot of important points when it comes to Sean O'Malley and just how married to the game he is. And uh, he's had 10 or 11 months to prepare for Aljamain Sterling, and that, of course, says nothing of all the grappling-heavy training camps that preceded the Aljamain Sterling fight. All right, good stuff on the main event challenge, boys. It all goes down Saturday night live on pay-per-view from the Jungle, TD Garden, Boston, Massachusetts. All right, now we're going to go out to the guest line. Very happy to bring in this gentleman. Going to handsome up the whole room. He is the number 14 ranked UFC middleweight contender. He is the action man. He is the king of combat. And and he's on the phone. (laughs) He's going to get off of that call. (laughs) The king of combat, Chris Curtis, is with us. What's up, man? Oh, shoot. I'm happy to be here. I'm 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 special now. I feel big. I made it. I love it. So the first time I met Chris Curtis was after Chris's UFC debut and he was at some UFC VIP event. The dude's dressed to the nines in all black with this black vest. And I'm like, my God, this guy looks like a million dollars in human form. Um, But it's great to see you on our show. 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's like so, um, hours at like a freaking Ross. Yeah, like <laughs> just like a hobo. Yeah, it's great. So before we get into everything that you've got going on, these guys were just sort of handicapping Aljamain Sterling and Sean O'Malley. I'm just curious what type of chance you give Sean to beat Aljo this weekend. I I agree. I was listening, I was listening to you guys uh, in the waiting. I, I agree entirely, man. This is so. <laughs> I'm not a fan of Sean O'Malley the person, but Sean O'Malley the fighter, I have to say, is he he's he's man, he surprised me a bunch. And like, you know, outside the Piotr Yan thing, he's really had some impressive wins. And on paper, it looks weird because you're getting a guy who's so definitely taller and longer the ranger than the other guy who's got to get inside. But I really haven't seen Aljo getting have trouble getting inside in like a long, long time. It's it's been a while, man. And uh, Aljo's one of those guys you'll say he's really become like a master of his craft. Like Aljo understands his game and he's got, he's developed a lot of ways to play that. And as you guys pointed out too, uh, O'Malley being long can be a help or a hindrance on the ground. There's a, there's a lot of um, positional stuff you guys mentioned as well, where his length kind of becomes a problem. Like Aljo's a backpack. If you've got long, long legs against a guy with shorter legs, he tucks those legs like you're never – there's no hope of getting there. Aljo's a human backpack, and like I, I feel like O'Malley's legs may give a, be a disservice in those mm. situations. So if it gets to the ground, man, it, it's, it's going to be hard. And uh, O'Malley's really good at keeping range, but can you keep range for a guy for 25 minutes without messing up? So Aljo really needs to get him down, I think, honestly, one, one good time. And O'Malley's got to stay on his feet and be perfect. He's, he's got to pitch perfect mm. for five, 25 minutes. That, that, that's rough. That, that, that's a rough one. Chris, I wanted to ask you, you know, obviously we have a, a pay-per-view coming up and, and you've been on the fight nights, you've been on the pay-per-view, but can, can you explain the difference to the fans of what it's like to compete on a huge pay-per-view card as opposed to a, a fight night? Or, or is it different for you? Uh, for me, man, it's really the only real difference is the week leading up because, like, when you're uh, in town, a bigger car, there's a lot of people there, and uh, there's just a lot more like uh, outside of the fight energy and whatnot. And there's a lot of like, you know, the, I think the fans are a lot more excited when they're in town for a pay per view or there's a pay per view going on. I think they, I think the lead up and the build up's just different. So that's kind of cool, like, honestly, to see. I I really, I really enjoy seeing like the fans be excited, man. It's really cool because like. I'm approaching a hundred fights to be add all my fighting career together. I'm like, I'm coming up on a hundred, a hundred fights now. So at times I kind of get numb to it. I'm just like, all right, whatever. Like, it's just, you know, like I, I fight, I enjoy fighting. It's what I do, but kind of numb to the excitement, but like on a good pay-per-view, man, it's, it's, you kind of like start getting that, like those butterflies. It's weird, man. Cause I don't get butterflies anymore. I really don't. Wow. Like they'll, 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 they'll come or go during camp at times, but like, you know, it's, it's not serious. But that excited feeling, that like that rush of like, oh, this is gonna do. I don't get those anymore. But on fight week, on a pay per view, when people are in town, it's being promoted. You start getting those. So like in the cage, it's the same to me. Like I didn't mind the apex. I liked it. I was like, cool. Like I can I can go fight down the street and go home. So that doesn't bother me. Some people hate not having a crowd. I don't really worry about it. I don't really hear them anyway. But uh. That fight, the, the fight week buildup, man. There's, there's nothing quite like it on like a, a pay per view card to where like people are excited, man. It's the anticipation. I've been struggling to find that word in my head. I just woke up. Sorry, <laughs> anticipation. There we go. Nice, man. 
So Chris, I could do 45 minutes with you on your career and the ebb and flow nature of it, right? We don't do a lot of long form (laughs) interviews right, on this podcast, but even just going through my fighter notes from some of our meetings in the past, before we get into all of that, though, your connection with, of course, our chief handicapper, Brian Petrie, is undeniable. So perhaps maybe... If he gets off the schneid and has a professional MMA or boxing bout, maybe that'll get your nerves going when you're walking out with him in his corner. I, I, I was going to bring that up. First thing I want to ask you, Chris, is the 100 fights, does that count the guys that come in the gym that are 300 no in the street that no. you take out? Are you those, guys? those have their own special category okay. of just like dumb, that's just dumb stuff I've done through life. They don't get, they don't, you don't give them the – they don't get to count in that category. Okay. If you do that, then they'll never stop. Like, oh. And then another thing I haven't brought up to you personally announced on the show a couple weeks ago, I want to get, I just turned 37 on the four. So I want to get Ooh. a fight in before I'm 40. So I might come out to Vegas, have you beat me up a little bit, bring it back to the old school, man. Get you beat Bro, me up. I know you guys laugh. You guys don't understand that Brian's actually like, he was so clean, like to be a big, as big as he was a big boy, but he was fast and he was clean. Oh. And like, it was, it was the most like hilariously just deceptive thing to where. Yeah. He'll he'll be humble about it, but there have been days where Brian, like Brian, gave me some business. I was like, okay, you're you're having one of those days today. Like, no, he's deceptively clean, deceptively fast, like really good technique. Like, it, it was surprising. Like you, you look at like, you were looking, especially young Brian. You'd be like, nah, yeah. you're like you're just, who's this guy in here? And he yeah. would like get in people's business. Like it was it was impressive, dude. Well, you need to do it. You can clear your bill and do it. Like, I'm dude, why not? Right now. I swear I'm doing it. I got a whole garage set up. Since I announced on the show, like every gym in Cincinnati's hit me up. I'm sure I can name them all. You know them. They're like, hey, come train here. Come train here. But no, it's funny because I sparred with Chris and then our boy right here, Chris. I don't even see him. Slaughterhouse. It was a sparring. Oh, he, back sparred with them both on Saturday. And then Rod, who owned the gym, came in and was like, wait. You're the guy that that has hands. I was like, yeah, yeah. I made. Like you sparred with both Chris on Saturday, right? He's like, yeah. He's like, you look like you're fucking twelve. Like yeah. I, I was like twenty three or twenty four at the time, and I was, it was like, the yeah. biggest surprise. Uh, yeah. Every it was, it was the biggest surprise to everyone. We're like, what is happening right now? Like, and he's just like baby face, little chub, like big chubby cheeks, yeah. like chubby kid. Yeah. You're like, we're gonna yeah. beat the hell out of this kid. And man, yeah, he's good. good. <laughs> he was actually yeah. Yeah, the big gun. We gotta call him Kung Fu Panda. That's it. That's <laughs> That is, bro, because Poe, you just call him Poe. Right? <laughs> I'll take it. Bro, I'll take it, it's actually tired here, bro. It was I crazy. Names, and one last thing, Chris, because I think they're going to finish the interview up, interview up with you. I love your look now. The beard, the hair. When oh, I sent the group chat... I I sent the group chat a picture of you where you rocked the pirate French goatee. Oh, we ever get to film that back? It was great great. for like for years. I had like the like the I I looked like a guy fox. Yeah, I really did. I had like the freaking like (laughs) the deep. It was great. Like people were like, "What are you doing?" I was a freaking French pirate, and I loved it. French pirate is what you look like. It was great. It was. It's still my favorite look. Like at some point, I'm gonna go back to it. And like (laughs) my girl back here like Oh. <laughs> yeah, shut that down right away. No, 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 the history, the history between you guys is uh is really cool, and it is funny for our listeners. I mean, the viewers now sort of understand, I think, a little bit. But a lot of people think he's like five five, two hundred and seventy pounds. <laughs> no. and he's six three. Yeah, I'm a big guy. 
Peter's actually a big dude. Way bigger, guys. Like the camera lies. Peter's a lot. Like he's a lot taller human being than you think he is. Like yeah. it's actually pretty impressive. Chris was there. Chris basically saved my life when I was coming in the train. I had a seizure, and Chris, Dom Steele, Jason Lane, they held me down when the paramedics were there. So he was kind of there. I went to go work with him when that happened, and my whole life got shifted up. So I always yes. I owe everything to this guy. Oh, that for, was terrifying, you know, guys. Like, yeah, you're yeah. like, watch, like, leave the room, come back. Your friend's having a seizure. We're like, oh, crap. Yeah. Right, where's, right, where's Brian? He's like, yeah, dying in the other room. We're like, oh, God, I think oh, Brian's right. dying. Like, yeah. yeah, Chris was there to help me through it. And then I got I got situated. So I always can thank him for that. So. And now look at you. Like, we're out here, here. with Jason, Anik, and Kitty Floyd. What is this? Now. Look at I'm him now. This is amazing. At Brian Petrie MMA, if you want more from him on social media, appreciate you sticking around, kid. We're yes. going to actually now hit your buddy real hard journalistically on Do the it. backside, but we appreciate you sticking right. by. I'll see you, boy. <laughs> hey, later, I'll hit you, yeah. All right, Brian Petrie with us here on the Anakin Florian podcast. And man, do I love the fact that you just called me Jason Anik because it just tells me how far my twin brother has come. Dude, no. So my mind was blown when I realized there were two of you. <laughs> and it completely it has thrown me off i don't know why but like i consider myself an intelligent person but twins destroy like i don't know my brain doesn't process twins well so like you're i'm gonna call him john and you're gonna be jason for, it's, it's just the way it, i don't know what my brain does not process twins like it's just a defect i don't know i don't get it I think Joe Rogan can relate. Every time he sees my twin brother, it's just very hard for him to wrap his head around the fact that there's another human being that lives and breathes and sounds just like I I understand the concept. I I, I get it. I I totally get it. I understand the genetic part of it, but my brain is like, nope, 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 nope. (laughs) No, it's a weird thing. I do think at some point I need to go to one of those twin conventions and and commit adultery. You know? (laughs) That sounds like nightmare fuel to me. Like I, I would know. stroke out. Like I would actually stroke out. No, I actually am so afraid to be in that setting that I haven't. <laughs> I haven't done it yet, and I'm 45 years of age. All right, so let's get into your career just a little bit, if we could. Chris Curtis, the action man, the king of combat, with us here on the Anakin Florian podcast. So you said to us going into your last fight against Nasordini Mavov that, of course, ended anticlimactic with that accidental clash of heads but baby on the way we're going to take the rest of the year off and instead now you're putting a, a you're ranking on the line against a very tough anthony fluffy fernandez who has won four consecutive fights so what was your mentality after that clash of heads with imavov to actually take this fight and and since your significant other is in the room i i hope this was a collective decision but what went into it on your end she's laughing in the background ah. uh, i mean she she's well aware as well that like i wanting to end my year. It's, it's been a weird year for me, man. It's been a really like just awkward year fighting wise. And I hate, I never want to end a year on a loss. I, I really hate that. So I, I, I despise it. So I was like, you know what, we'll go back in and we'll end the year on a high note. So we can start next year at a high note. So after the Nasruddin fight happened and I'm like, you know what, that sucks. Uh, so <laughs> not the way we wanted. And that's also not the note I wanted to end the year on. Uh, I took no damage in the fight. Honestly, I was fine. The outside of like having my eyeball, like my eyelid almost cut off. So we, uh, yeah. we, it's, uh, it's like, it's even worse now. Like I gotta get this winter. I have to get a uh, surgery to remove scar tissue. It's, it's so bad now. Oh, wow. Yeah, look, 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 like my eyes like half closed all the time. That's like a squint. Yeah. <laughs> so 
We are, yeah, he, he really jacked that one up. Thanks, Asterdam. Yeah. But, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I, you know, I took no damage. I was fine. Uh, so we're like, you know, well, let's get one more in. Like, we're not, we're not hurt. We're not, we're, we're in great shape. Like, I feel like I was just didn't get a really chance to do anything. So let's just roll back into it. I want to end the year on a good note. I really don't want to leave that take. I mean, you get Kenny's fault. You know, you, you know, it's hard to have that bad taste in your mouth. So you're like, all right, screw it. I'm in shape. I got time. Let's get one more. Let's go one more. Like we'll, we'll, we'll roll the dice one more time. Like, uh, that's why I don't gamble because I have a problem yeah. stopping myself, but you know what? We'll roll the dice. What's we'll we'll one more. Like bet the house, you know, seven, we're throwing it out there. So we're just doing it. Well, it really has been a memorable start to your UFC career, and I hope you'll play the long game, but I just want to take you back to some moments in your career very quickly here because you went on this absolute tear after a loss to Bilal Muhammad, which took place in September of 2014 in Indiana. You win 11 of 12 fights thereafter, and the only loss was a 25-minute fight against the guy who missed weight. So, And I beat him. And 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 so... Even the announcers, we the, even the, even uh, the announcers were uh, Chevello and Militish, and like I've never seen Pat Militish throw a fight. He was about to fight a commissioner over there. Like Pat Militish wow. was gonna throw hands with a judge. He was so mad at the scoring. I beat this dude for 24, 25 minutes, and he won a split. Like I've never Pat Militish had a meltdown. Like we had to wow. like kind of chill Pat Militish out. Like bro, I'm gonna go to jail, <laughs> but he was pissed. How about that? So I didn't know that circumstance, right? So that easily could have been a 12-fight winning streak. And maybe Kenny doesn't know this, but that run in your career also included a win on Dana White's Contender Series in June of 2018. You win by TKO. It was your sixth win in a row, and you didn't get the contract. And I'm bringing you back to this moment in which you were absolutely crushed, and you see how he just exhaled there, right? I'm bringing you back to this moment because now I feel like we can really talk about it because you got to the big show, you realize all the success, you're in the rankings, you know, and you're at a place where I think it's okay to reflect. But what was your mentality at that low point, I would think, of all low points in your career? I'm not going to lie. Even at a pretty good place in my life now, that's the, that one still hurts. Uh what sucks for me, like, so I'm, it, it's weird, man, because like I'm going to I'm going to this is the greatest I've been in my entire life. I'm in a position in life to where I don't have to worry for anything. It's the first time in my life to where I don't wake up every day checking my like checking my bank account, making sure right. like I didn't like cause I'm getting go out. And I, so I'm not worried about anything. I'm, I'm good. But that one still hurts because. Like this, so you guys see like the uh, on like the UFC embedded and all the things. I've had the promos and like, oh, contender series veterans, and like I'm like I should be on there. That kills me. Like that fight was insane for me because the week before that fight, I tore my groin, and then the first round of the fight, I broke my hand. The first punch I threw, and I win that fight. The third round, after winning every round, every moment, every round with a hook kick knockout, and I don't get signed. And that that one that burned that that really burned me that that really really burned me because like, I'm in that fight like I need to finish this guy I need to make a statement but like you know I'm down two weapons like what do I do and I was right. like you know what we'll, we'll we'll go for broke here that episode they signed uh, Alonzo Minifield and that was when Greg Hardy got his development deal yeah so that that oh so that that episode was crazy it was wow. me Hardy Minfield uh, Holland. Oh wow! Uh, yeah, uh, who is it? Montel. I think Montel Jackson was that one. It was crazy. It was a crazy episode. 
And it, so this will sound bad. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm happy for everyone to get signed to contenders. I really am. Because like, this is a life-changing thing. And for me, even then, like even at that time, it would have changed my life completely. Like, oh, it's it's such a life changing thing, and guys do so much to get there. And I I really want to celebrate every guy that gets that contract because I know what that means to you. But I've been fighting a long time for that, and right. it's crazy just to be like, nope. I never got a reason why either. It's just like, yeah, whatever. But now, like, you'll see a lot of guys get signed on decisions. I've seen guys get signed on like losses, and I'm like. The story of my life, I feel like, honestly, is that I'm always at the right place at the most inopportune time. Yeah. Because, like, had I had that performance now, contenders now, when they kind of oh. loosened up, like, hey, I would have been great. I would be, I'd be a herald as a star. But just unfortunately for me, like, it's all, I'm always at the, I'm too early. I'm always too early or too late. Like, I'm never quite on time. So that, that stuff, like, that, that still stings and, like, uh, I just, uh, I want to be at the contenders promos, man. Like, those make me sad. Like, oh, I always see them. And I'm like, come on, guys. Like, put me, like, I won. I, I, I didn't get a contract, but I won. And I, I wanted that. Uh, I wanted that because I never got Ultimate Fighter. And right. I, I really wanted to be an Ultimate Fighter winner. I really wanted to. And uh, I actually love Brian Battle now, but I briefly hated Brian Battle before I met yeah. him because I wanted I wanted to beat him up because he uh he was the Ultimate Fighter winner, and I was like, well now I'm going to take you out. It was I was I, I wanted it. I, I was going to hunt them. I really was. I was going to hunt Ultimate Fighter winners out of spite. Yeah. <laughs> now you should maybe hunt Contender Series guys, but you're absolutely right about that episode. Kevin Holland, Montel Jackson, Greg Hardy, of course, your win over Sean Lally and Alonzo Menafield as well. So yeah, maybe just a numbers game. But uh, hey, man, look at you now, bro. Look at you now. Exactly. It works out. I'm 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 trying to like I'm medit- I started meditating. I'm learning to let things go. It's 2023. I'm trying to be a better me. Like I really am. I'm trying. We're, we're taking That's steps. That's hilarious. Hey, man. So uh, your buddy, Sean Strickland, has a big fight coming up in four weeks. Uh, took it on short notice, relatively short notice. Um, what are his chances of going out there and, and beating someone like Israel Adesanya, who I think is, is one of the greatest fighters that I've seen compete inside the cage, man? Uh, what do you think his mindset is like right now? And, and what are his chances? Well, the thing about Sean is, is this, this, okay, so this is a hard fight. Like, we know it's a hard fight. We talk, she's actually lives across the street here. So, like, we, we, I mean, we talk a lot. The thing is, we're all aware that this is, an, like, a really hard fight. This is an uphill battle with the, uh, just the opponent, you know, Izzy, Izzy's good. They say what yeah. you want about Izzy, the person, Izzy, the fighter, he's, he's damn good and he's proved it. Yeah. So, this, this is a hard fight already on top of, you know, what, yeah, four weeks notice, five weeks notice. It's uh, crossing on the other side of the planet. It's definitely there's there's definitely some stumbling blocks in the way to that, that yeah. finish line. But the one for Sean's shortcomings everywhere else, I will say that he, for better or worse, is one of the most headstrong and like mentally resilient people I've ever met in my entire life. Like once Sean decides he's going to do something, then he's going to do it. Like you guys understand. Like, I would, I knew like. When Sean fought Kamaru Usman, he brought in D1 wrestler. Like he, there's two D1 wrestlers. This is in we're in California. He brought in these two D1 wrestlers. They beat him up every single day. And he lost that Usman fight. And he was like, "I did this wrong. I'm going to learn to wrestle my way." So he just, I, I swear to you, he like he teaches himself wrestling. And like because Sean is Sean, like he'll do things wrong, but. You know, when all you have is a hammer, he's just like, you know, square peg, round hole. 
Yeah. People will give up. Sean will force that square peg in there. Right? He'll, he doesn't care if the hole breaks, if like everything goes wrong. <laughs> it's going to get in there. So I watched Sean for like two years teach himself how to wrestle. And honestly, like I watch him just like I watch him all the time beat up like decorated wrestlers. And it's just one of those things to where he's so mentally resilient and tough that if there's a way to win this fight, I know Sean will sign. Like yeah. he's, he's he's just one of those guys. Uh, at the same time, Sean being so mentally resilient and tough has not has, you know, been a disservice. We're going to be a Pereira fight. We're like, it's an easy way to win. And he's like, no, I'm going to like kickbox this fight. And we're like, please don't. And uh, Sean, he's so Sean and Sean. So that's the scary part. But if there's a way to win, man, I've got faith that he'll find it. Like, uh, like I said, for all of his shortcomings, he's probably one of the most mentally tough people I've ever met in my entire life. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. 14th ranked UFC middleweight contender, Chris Curtis, the action man with us here on the Anakin Florian podcast on social media at Action Man 513. Couple rapid fire questions for you on the way out. You're a good boxer, great jab. How would you fare in a boxing setting against Jake Paul? <laughs> Guys, uh, so you know what? I'll I'll give Jake Paul his flowers. Not not for the Nick Diaz fight, because that was stupid. But Nate Diaz fight was stupid. But overall, just watching him, he's he's definitely improved from when he started. He's you know he, he takes it seriously. Uh, I'm good friends with uh, Kevin Newman, a boxer who trades with him. Newman's good, and he's like, hey man, Jake actually like he puts the work in, he shows up. So I'll give him yeah. his flowers there. But you you're not gonna jab overhand your way like you know in a, in a boxing setting. Like there's I will be. I will drown Jake Paul in a boxing match. Like it's no, it, it's it's not even funny. Like I, I will yeah. literally drown that man. Like a, yeah. as bad as it sounds, like the old coach just said, you drown him like a sack of puppies, sack of puppies. And like so, like that's like ter- terrible as it is. You drown, I would drown him like a sack of puppies. Yeah, I would. Uh, I would pay to see it. Um, yeah. Right. <laughs> Toughest fight for you at middleweight because we talk about Strickland, we talk about the last style bender, but this is your division as well. Toughest fight for you at middleweight is it Izzy, is it Alex Pereira, or is it somebody else? God, but all of them, like everyone's six three. I'm five ten. Right. I am like right, right. guys, like I am a natural welterweight who moved up, so I'm having to relearn how to fight people this tall because, right. like. At, at welterweight, it's a good the six three guy. You're like, oh man, that's he's the anomaly. Now everyone's six three. So you know what? They're all hard fights because I'm five <laughs> ten. Right. All right. Do you know the gender of this child that you have on the way? I know you do have another son that was born in two thousand seven, but do you know what's coming here? Yep, it's we got a boy. And hey, you have, a name, you have a name picked out. I don't want the name. I'm just curious if you have a name picked out. Yo, we have, we have a name. We have, we have a name. She's laughing. She's fighting me on okay. it. But no, we have a name picked out, and I'm sticking with it. <laughs> okay, do you want, good. Do you want it? I do. Apollo Creed Michael Curtis. Oh! I love it. Apollo Curtis. That is That's a awesome. power name. Yeah. So, like, she's like, I don't want to call my baby Apollo. We'll call him Creed. It's fine. But, like, Apollo Creed <laughs> is his name. Yeah, it's great. No, that is amazing. All right. And then the final one I had, what is your most satisfying professional victory to date? Ooh, Stumper. I mean, there've been a lot of them, right? Of course, I'm asking a guy with like 35 pro wins, right? But I wonder if it's one of those early UFC triumphs, finally ripping off that Band-Aid. But you've had a lot of big moments. 
I'm just stalling think, for you now. I know the baby no, questions are easier. You know, I've, I've, I've got to, it's a tie. It's really a tie because I, I've just now, I stopped being that guy. I used to read every article, every whatever, when like fights come up, fights came up. And I would always listen to what people said about it. I've, I've since like tuned out of social media. I don't check articles or whatever, but it's a tie because my first real like big belt was CES MMA. And I was fighting Gil DeFreitas. And he'd just been like this wrecking ball. Like he was on like uh, Tough Brazil. And he'd just gone through a lot of people. I took that fight and they're just like, oh, I remember one, like it was like one line. I think it was on uh, the undergrounds, the forums. And like, oh, just another can for DeFreitas to crush on his, so he gets his UFC shot. And I remember that. And I was like, I took that, I took that personal. I really did. And I was like, Matt. And uh, just, no one gave me a chance in that fight. It was like, oh, it's just some unknown can, blah, blah, blah. So winning that fight, you know, knocked him out in the first round. I was like, yeah, like, you know, like eat it. And tied with that was probably even the same thing was my UFC debut. Right. Because, hey, debuting in Madison Square Garden is probably one of the coolest things I've ever seen in my entire life. But also, this is a time to where not a single person who didn't know me on the planet gave me a chance to win that fight with Phil. Right. And I guess like it's just the, the man. Like go back and see those comments. Like man, it was rough. Like I was, just, I took that so personally. I remember the night before the fight, I'm in my hotel room fuming, like just mad. Uh-huh. Like I'm so mad. But I'm yeah. like, re- I'm like reading those comments and I'm getting like furious. Because I'm, I'm feeling, I'm, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. They, I don't know why I did, I did this to myself. Hopping the good on there. I checked the topology, the uh, the uh, fight predictions, whatever. And then I'm at like. Four percent, and just reading the comments, I was in my hotel room, furious, and I was like, "Oh, I can't wait!" Like I was like, "I got it, there, man. I can't <laughs> wait." Right? Just like, "Oh, you, you can't." So I've learned now, you can't go down the rabbit hole. Like I don't yeah. check, but like, I don't, I don't look on forums anymore. I don't even check my Twitter, or Instagram half the time. I'm just like, I, I can't go down that because once I go, I'm stuck there forever. Yeah. Well, hey, man, that was a, a W and a career full of them for the action man, Chris Curtis. You can see him next in there against Anthony Fluffy for Hernandez. Hey, best of luck, man, with the baby and everything else you got going on. We appreciate the time and uh, best of luck to your buddy Strickland in a few weeks as well. We'll see you on the road show uh, in a few weeks, my man. Much appreciated. Thank you guys for having me. This is, this is so cool for me. So thank you guys, man. Love to have you back anytime. There you go, man. The king of combat, Chris Curtis. I probably should have asked him why he dropped that nickname, the King of Combat. I have sort of softly brought it back in over his last couple of fights, but a really good dude there. And uh, sometimes I look back at some of the early moments in his career and even had a three-fight losing streak, some PFL fights in there, Kenny, right? But there were so many trials and tribulations for this guy, right? Then he finally strings together six consecutive wins, hook kicks a guy on Dana White's contender series and doesn't get the contract. A lot of guys would have just totally crumbled, you know? And then he reels off, Another four or five wins before eventually getting the UFC contract on short notice. Incredible run to the middleweight rankings for uh, the action man, Chris Curtis. Yeah, absolutely, man. That's why I always say this, you know, perspective is probably one of the most powerful things you can give someone or have as an individual looking back getting, uh, you know, having that certain mindset and approach to life. And you could see it. He just kind of has this, fun attitude and yeah uh, i wouldn't be surprised to see him do some tv work as well man he gave us some great analysis does it in a fun uh friendly way and yeah uh, i wish the best man what a, what, a, what a nice dude i was thinking the same thing as far as his television future is concerned and he also smiles a lot too i have been told throughout my 20 years in broadcasting that i need to smile more and uh not an issue for the king of combat all right
UFC 292 coming up in about 48 hours or so. We hope you will join us on pay-per-view Friday night, August 18th. You can catch Ken Flo on the PFL. Only thing Ken Flo actually likes more than pictures is germs. So make sure you go for handshakes. No fist bumps. Ken Flo wants all your germs in New York. Tell him John Anik sent you. And then we're actually back with you. I'm not sure when our fine producer, Cody Merrow, is going to get this episode out. We are taping on Sunday afternoon, August 20th, our UFC 292 recap in a few days. So that will either be out in the middle of the night on Monday or on the DraftKings Network, but it'll be out there. Thanks to our guests, the action man, Chris Curtis, Brian Petrie, our producer, of course, the aforementioned Cody Merrow. For Ken Flo, I'm John Anna. Thank you all for watching. Tell your friends you love the show. Unless you don't love the show, of course, then uh, don't tell them that. Appreciate your support, folks. We got to go. We'll talk to you after the pay-per-view in Boston. Yo, later. I start a verse, I break at least three commandments Kinda like Pluto because I never plan it I'm outlandish in the way that make the patches look Like they own ranches, it's the art of war Your blood's the only color on the canvas And I don't mean it like a thug sense of how you can get God Fuck being gangsta, I'm hip-hop You got it every time you walk in the label The A&R's like, not it Immune to your shit cause I circle, circle, dot, dotted Body heat is intoxic, we gotta beat, I don't gotta speak Coppers, start to think psychically Make the speakers speak elitistly Off the high horse, make an ass of their views Your DJ must not know the alphabet for getting his cues My favorite DJ got those Six extra L's to abuse Esoteric John P And I'm the new kid at school I'm Raider Ellis Nice to meet you Short bust of my styles Egocentric Ego tripping with Frequent fly smiles DJ wants to get in the bird He gets in the bird And bird Takes the shot He's Now's a good time to remember Where the story of tequila started In 1795 The first tequila distillery Was opened by the Cuervo family And 229 years later Cuervo is still going strong Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckley SAB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly.